Welcome down to my nine-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. You are listening to Bucks in the Basement. My name's Chris, and Craig here is the biggest Pirates fan you'll ever meet. Let's talk Pirates baseball now. Welcome to Bucks in the Basement. Now I see the changes in this town. They change, they say one thing, but then the next day. To the nine foot homemade oak bar, pour yourself a cold one. My name's Chris, his name's Craig. Bucks in the basement, 30 minutes of pirates for fans and by fans. And Mike Pierzak is going to be on the show in just a little bit here from the Pittsburgh Post Gazette. I like when he comes on, I think listeners enjoy when he comes on as well because he's basically embedded with the team. Like, not technically, not, I mean, he's not even working for MLB.com, but he just feels like he gets an awful lot of answers about an awful lot of things, Craig. And I love it when he comes on this show. Yeah, and he's open and honest, and he pretty much lets me have, like, free reign to ask him anything. Like, there's nothing that's kind of out of bounds for him. And he'll give his his honest opinion, which I feel like some people, they might shy away from that. But Mike comes, he comes hard-hitting every single time. And I, I honestly think when people listen to this, he's kind of just as confused as us as to what's going on right now. Yeah, well, here's the thing. Since we last talked, Roberto Perez agrees to a one-year contract, so they filled the hole left behind by Jacob Stallings being traded with a veteran catcher. Perez is not as good as Stallings, but at least they've taken care of a little bit of a, you know, a veteran signal caller, a guy behind the plate who has worked with MLB uh, starting staffs and, and had a starting role before. So, so that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing that they were able to do that. I haven't seen an extension yet for Brian Reynolds. That's concerning. I see uh, a one-year, $2 million deal with Kevin Newman. Make sure you ask him about that because I don't get it. I, I just I can't wait to hear what you have to say to him before we get to him, though. The Pirates went out and got themselves a new hitting instructor. Yeah, and this uh, this is something we kind of like almost even like glossed over. We were I was telling you before the show when we were recording last time because it's not really that exciting. They went out and got Andy Haynes, who was the hitting coach for the Brewers for the last few years, and got fired because every single year the Brewers got worse. Like when you think of the Milwaukee Brewers this year, what do you think of? You think of a Cy Young pitcher and a other guy who was pretty good. And, you know, their eight and nine was locked down. Uh with was it Williams and Hayter? You think about that kind of stuff. It's not that they were like a terrible hitting team, but during his tenure, they just progressively, as a team, got worse and worse. And their best hitter this year is a guy that they acquired who was developed by the Rays in Willie Adamas. So for me, Chris, I think that this is Shelton's hitting plan, and they just wanted somebody who was gonna go along with. It's weird because when you look at the Brewers and you look at their offense, I don't see that he did anything great. On the other hand, I've never had a lot of stock in hitting coaches making a difference. I I really just, I mean, they're the easiest thing to blame when your team isn't hitting 
And when your team is hitting, to, to turn around and give it all to the hitting coach, I think is crazy as well. I've always been one of those people that believes, just like with pitching coaches, you could have multiple hitting coaches on your team. You could have a guy that works on power and a guy that works on contact because you, you generally bring in a guy that's really good at one and terrible at the other. And so it's helpful to some of your players and not helpful to other players. In fact, Hall of Fame baseball players generally go back to their original hitting coach, even if the guy gets fired, because they're like, well, you know, I'm a superstar and I'll do whatever I want to in the offseason. And so-and-so works well with me, even though he didn't work for the rest of the team. You've seen that all throughout baseball. So for hitting coaches, it's weird. You got to find a guy that wants to go along with what the organization wants to do. Just because he wants to go along with them doesn't mean that he's going to get results. So you just have to sit back and watch. And, and how are you really going to know? I mean, let's be honest. How are you really going to understand if it's good or if it's bad at this point in a rebuild? Because you don't know if the guy's bad because of the new hitting coach or good because of the new hitting coach, or that would have been the result with or without him. So hitting coaches to me, eh, we'll, we'll wait till there's somebody to blame and then we'll remember his name again. Mike Piersack on the phone, uh, Pirates beat writer from the PG, uh, return guest here. I'm sitting down here in my basement thinking about what's going on uh, with the Pirates offseason. How you doing today, Mike? I'm doing well, Craig. Thanks as always. Uh, absolutely, man. And, and like we were just talking about before we got on here, let's 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 cheer some people up here on this this gloomy Monday in Pittsburgh. Victory Monday for the Steelers, and, and let's talk some Pirates baseball. Uh, <laughs> and we'll we'll get that going with with everybody's you know favorite topic here uh, is is the Jacob Stallings trade and and Chris and I had talked about it a little bit last week but I just kind of want to get your impression and that was before you know they signed Perez uh, to the one year five million dollar deal uh, what's what's Ben Sherrington like thinking with this type of move Yeah so so. Uh... Just based off like his conversations with us afterwards, um, I think that it, the the Pirates view the Perez signing and the Stallings trade in, in the same like that's part of the same transaction. I think in their mind, right, yeah. where they saw an opportunity to come to go and get Perez, who is similar defensively to Jacob Stallings. Uh, they don't feel like they're going to lose a ton there in terms of defense. Offense, it's a different story, but but I, I think their hope is that it's a fairly like analogous one for one, and if that's the case, then Stallings becomes expendable, and you can send him to Miami and get back some pieces. Um, at, at, you know, I, to me, I think Zach Thompson is sort of the highlight here, just because of what he'll do for the team in the short term. He's already produced in the major leagues and will probably be part of their rotation um, this season. So. So, yeah, I mean, I think they just kind of saw an opportunity to, to sort of move laterally uh, at catcher. I, you know, you can agree with that that assessment or disagree with it. The time will tell us. But uh, move laterally at catcher and then upgrade, you know, the organization elsewhere. Um, and so they, so they sprung on it. And, and I think that it is sort of a commentary on, like, what they think of this season. Like, I think you can pretty easily say, like, well, this kind of tells you that they're not trying to compete this year. And uh, Ben Charrington, he didn't say as much, but he, he, you know, he was basically talking about prospects and things like that. Um, so yeah, you can say that that's true, and you can not love Roberto Perez, and you can think he's going to be a lot worse than Jacob Stallings. But that's that's their reasoning is that they they just felt like there was an opportunity there to upgrade, I guess. Yeah, and and it, it is uh, it's a fairly lateral move, uh, especially if you get uh, Perez at his. 
not even his 2019 level, not the 24 home runs, like, you know, kind of like a breakout year when, when he finally got the starting uh, gig up there, struggled over the past two years. But my my biggest concern is that we were looking uh, this whole time talking about, like, getting a backup catcher uh, for Jacob Stallings. And I still think they should go out and get a backup catcher for Roberto Perez, who, you know, was on the 60-day IL last year. Um, do you see that as something, or is it going to be, you know, the Michael Perez show? It's going to be Perez and Perez uh, during the season. It seems like, like going off of what Ben Charrington was saying, it seems like that they're ready to do that, that they're ready to go with um, Michael Perez and, and whoever else they've got at AAA and maybe have like a little bit of a spring training competition for backup catcher. Uh, yeah, I mean, that that's as indicative as anything of – the idea that this is not like a team that's ready to compete in 2022, right? And I don't, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not pretending that people really thought that they were going to go get it in 2022 or anything like that. But, but, um, you know, I mean, Michael Perez, he just was what he was. He, he, he was not good offensively. He was solid defensively, nothing special, um, good thrower. Um, but you know, like he was so hard to watch down the stretch of the season at the plate. Like, he he struggled so hard, and then he would have a flash of a game, and then he'd struggle again. Like maybe they think that they figured something out there because I I, I seem I don't have the stats in front of me, but I seem to remember that he heated up a little bit, like right at the very end, maybe. But um, yeah, I mean, I think that they're just ready to sort of go with what they have. It seems like that's the case. Maybe they signed like another veteran fringe guy who could they can toss into the competition, think like Joe Hudson sort of guy, but. Um, but yeah, I, I I sort of believe that they're just gonna go with whoever they think is best coming out of spring training, and and you know I don't think that, that should inspire too much confidence, but uh, I think it's just kind of the reality of what they're what they're expecting. Yeah, because the one thing that Ben Sherrington did say to you guys uh, when he talked is that he you know wants to go out and get another starting pitcher. Well, you you got Jose Quintana, uh, you you got Thompson, who you know you said came in on the uh, in the Stallings deal and is going to be you know fighting for a spot in the rotation. Uh, who falls out of the rotation? I mean, I know that they got rid of Cool. They got rid of Brault, but you still have probably, I counted up maybe, I said like maybe like eight to 10 guys who could realistically have a shot at the rotation at some point in time during the season. So like who who gets bumped from the rotation for this like Cantana move for Zach Thompson? And if he adds another you know, starting pitcher. Like I'm with you. Like they have too many guys there. <laughs> like you can't really have too many starting pitchers, um, especially in the Pirates situation where none of them are exactly like, um, you know, none of them has have necessarily solidified themselves as as like a star or anything like that. So you know, you might just see sort of some rotating faces, and um, you know, maybe a guy like Will Crow gets an opportunity as a long man out of the bullpen or something like. Uh, but I don't know what they're going to do because even I, I got this question immediately afterwards, like, you know, after the Stallings trade, like who's going to be in the starting rotation. And I listed five just, you know, off the top of my head or whatever. And then realized that I forgot Brubaker and Keller and uh, someone else. And so it's like, <laughs> yeah, you know, th those are guys who, who deserve us. Well, deserve based off like experience. Uh, uh, you would think would have a spot in the opening day starting rotation. So Maybe it means that Miguel Yahure, we should all pump the brakes and he might start AAA again. Um, you know, maybe it means something like uh, uh, Max Kranich, same thing. 
I don't know what happens with Bryce Wilson. I don't know what happens with Brubaker. Like, all, you know, all these guys, like, any decisions they make, I think, are justifiable because none of them are necessarily, like, breaking out as, you know, someone you must have in the rotation moving forward. So, I, I you know, it's going to be really interesting to see exactly how they how they do that because you would think, right, like, they didn't sign Quintana to, to put him in the bullpen, right? Like, he, he was talking to us about how he wants the opportunity to be a starting pitcher again and prove that he can do it. Uh, and so, and that was why he signed with Pirates, with the Pirates. So you would think that there are some promises made there. So, um, so yeah. Anyways, I guess it's a long way of saying that I agree with you that I don't know what they're going to do with that starting rotation. That will at least be something interesting to watch going through spring training and into the season. I go to the the thought of well, you know, that guy can go to the bullpen, and I'm like, but Crow had a couple good starts at the end of the season. We didn't get to see, you know, JT Brubaker after he kind of got some dead arm. And he went out, and then Bryce Wilson, same thing. Like it's just like exhaustion from the year, and it's like you want to see these these young guys pitch, but it's like where are they going to pitch at? And and you may be right that they may be seeing some of these guys pitching, you know, at at Triple A, uh, just to you know kind of get those innings in and see what they have there. Because in Ben Sherrington's mind, he said it more than you know once or twice. He says you know once you make it to Triple A, you're pretty much that that's where when you're almost like on the big league roster instead of like you know right. proving yourself a triple a so he kind of sees triple a as as you know his it's a little feeding ground and we all know that you know somebody's there's going to be injuries there's going to be stuff that comes up but he's like stockpiling at at that position like in the starting roles and then he's also stockpiling outfielders and middle infielders. So you look at the outfield, you got Brian Reynolds and Ben Gamble kind of like, I think they, we know that Brian Reynolds does, but Ben Gamble has a spot solidified. And then you have, you know, right field or left field, wherever Ben Gamble wouldn't play. And you have like six other guys <laughs> who yeah. are, are kind of fighting for that position. And, and nobody uh, is really taken the, has taken the reins. Like, who do you think has the inside track on the, the last outfield spot or the third and fourth outfield spots. Well, you'd think it'd be, it'd be Alford and like Oliver maybe, or, um, you know, Swaggery, if he comes back healthy and is, and is hitting well, like he obviously aged up, but you'd probably want to start him at AAA. Um, so yeah, I mean, there are a bunch of options there, but, but I, I'd like to make another point too, that kind of ties into starting pitching. Right. And I was thinking about this the other day where like, you know, you go into last year, or at least I went into last year saying, well, I'd like to see, you know, this is a year where they can see what they have in Mitch Keller and in Will Crow and in JT Brubaker. But the problem is that, like, all of them had pretty similar years, you know, some better than others. And so then you go into this year still not exactly knowing, right? Like, I, I guess you kind of have to believe them when they tell you that they're maybe just a middling starting pitcher. But, you know, if there are no other options, then you're just going to keep seeing those same guys uh, just another year older. And, and, you know, maybe that means they're more experienced. But, like, uh, it came to mind when you were saying, like, oh, we'd like to see some of these young guys pitch. And I look at, like, Will Crow, for example, who I think deserves a spot in starting rotation. But he's 27 now, right? Like, yeah. he's not really all that young. And so, you know, you go into this year, and if he's, again, your most durable guy, and he puts up similar numbers last year, well, what does that mean, right? Like he's serviceable and he can eat innings, but he's not—he's not anything more than that. So now, what do you do? Like, 
it's one thing to stockpile and give guys opportunities and hope that they can take advantage of it, but if none of them do and it's all kind of the same results, well, then now what? And you could say the same thing about the outfield, right? Like if all those guys that, that rotated through right field last year, you know, Yoshi Tatsugo probably showed you the most out of any of those guys, but he's not a right fielder. Like he can't really play the outfield. Um, and so now you have Anthony Alford and Jared Oliva and whoever else. And Greg Allen. <laughs> and, and Yeah, yeah. Greg, yeah gr- another good one, Greg Allen. Like, what do you do? You know, what do you do if all those guys have sort of middling years again, and now you still don't really have an answer in outfield? And oh yeah, next year, like entering twenty twenty three, the guys in Double A last year are going to be, you know, at least close to ready in Kanan Smith and Jigba and Cal Mitchell. So how do you make those decisions? It, it like the the Pirates have stockpiled a lot of guys at a lot of different positions, um, and you know, in theory, you can enter a year and say, well, one of these guys, you know, can step up, but but you know, when you're doing that, making that, having that conversation, like you also have to think of like, what happens if none of them do? And then you just end up with another year where Kevin Newman's still starting at shortstop. Ben Gamble's your second best outfielder. And, uh, you don't know who your best starting pitcher is. Like, you know, it makes for a tough rebuild when no one really ever separates themselves. And then it makes for a tough, like maybe unfair decision, uh, like in terms of roster moves in off seasons where you have to clear room for some of the younger guys. And you're still waiting to see exactly what a guy like Will Crow or Mitch Keller or JT Brubaker is, you know what I'm saying? So I don't know. I, I, it's something that I was thinking about the other day. Like I said, it just puts them in such a tough spot when they're stockpiling like this with a bunch of guys who are still unproven, you know? Yeah, and and like you said, at, at shortstop, uh, that's where I was going to go next. Is you you tender, you know, Kevin Newman, and actually you don't tender. You actually sign him to a contract, it, you know, and sign him to less than what he was, you know, projected to get on, you know, MLB trade rumors, but who knows what, you know, he was actually, you know, going to get, but he, he signs, he's still there. Uh, you still have Cole Tucker. You still have Hoy Park. You add Diego Castillo to the, you know, to the 40 man. You add Laiova Pagaro, who hasn't pay, played above high A to the 40 man. And so you have just all these spots and, and, and no real decisions being made. Yeah, I mean exactly. That that's 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 still true. And you know, it, maybe that's the best the best position to paint this example. Would you bet on any of those four guys like really stepping out and having a big year? I wouldn't. Like, you know, Diego Castillo maybe just because I haven't seen him and and, and he seems to uh, you know, he, he at least has some of the pop that you would hope for, um maybe more than the rest of the guys and and so, you know, we'll see what he ends up being, but you know, if I if I had to make a bet on any of those guys hitting like 275 this year and and you know with with an OPS over 800, I wouldn't make that bet because you know none of the, you don't know right. Like the grass is always greener with a guy like Diego Castillo or any of those prospects. But if I were banking on what I think is going to happen here, I would bet that that rotation looks pretty similar to what it was last year, where Kevin Newman gets a lot of opportunities because he at least does one thing super well, and that's play defense. Um, and, and so, you know, what's going to change unless someone wrestles that away from him. I don't really see why it would be different because they clearly like Kevin Newman enough to bring him back. Um, and, and they like, you know, what he does defensively and, and, and being a sort of a stalwart there. So, um, so, but yeah, it's a very similar situation where it's just like you have a bunch of guys in the middle infield and any one of them can play. And we have no idea which, you know, how any of them are are going to actually play. And it, and if none of them really step up, then it's just going to be more of the same and just kind of twiddling your thumbs until O'Neill Cruz and Nick Gonzalez show up. 
Yeah, and I, and I even forgot about, and I did not like really forgot about, but like a Rodolfo Castro, a Michael Chavis. Yeah. I mean, I know some of these guys can also play like an outfield position, but like I said, you already have <laughs> five or six guys fighting for that right field spot or fighting for that one spot. Well, then you have some of those same guys and piling on other people fighting for second base because if you if you're signing Kevin Newman to a contract, I can't see them signing him to a contract and not starting him at shortstop the majority of the time. Well, right, and and you know what I will point out is that is that they did sign Eric Gonzalez last year and then DFA'd him and, and he was out relatively quick. I can't remember the exact timeline, but um, I know he got injured and then came back from the IL and they were like, okay, you're healthy now, we're, but but we're good. Yeah. Um, so you know that can always happen, and maybe it does happen with Kevin Newman. Maybe there's maybe there's because it's not a ton of money that he signed for. No. Um, so maybe it's the kind of thing where they brought him back and said, "Listen, you, like you gotta hit, you, you gotta figure that out. We'll give you the chance to do it, but if you're not hitting, like there are guys who who could take this opportunity. So maybe it is like that. But but even still, um, even if it's like that in right field or or uh, you know in the starting pitching rotation too, um, you know it's just a it, it's tough because you you're you're making a call on getting rid of Kevin Newman or you know theoretically right." And bringing in, you know, I don't know, Cole Tucker, and 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 now this whole like rigmarole starts again, right? Because then you can say, well, Cole Tucker, you know, you got to give him another year in 2023, and he starts, and they DFA him, or whatever, you know, like it, it's until you find something, it's just it's just a mess of guys who like could or could not step up, and and you just kind of wait around and and hope that one of them does. Yeah, it's it's basically okay. Who's going to put their foot down, and who's going to say that okay this is my position and chris and i have talked about this before about players and and just thinking about it out loud is you know kevin newman is being like a measuring stick it's like if you guys can beat out kevin newman in spring training or you know at some point during the season then then you have to take the job but we're not going to just give the job to anybody he's been our starting you know shortstop plays good defense hit a little bit better in the second half of the season but like you said, it, a lot of this stuff is what people unfortunately call kicking the can down the road to a degree um, and just kind of waiting for, you know, some prospects to show up. People wanted them to go out and get, uh, you know, another outfielder. But then I start to think, I'm like, if you go and get another outfielder, not that he's blocking, you know, anybody really, but you already have so many guys competing for those positions on the 40 men already. Yeah, right. And and is it really fair to make, you know, big decisions? Like, it would have to be, right, a sure thing to say that it's a fair decision to, like, DFA a guy when they haven't gotten much of an opportunity, right? I, I don't know. They've done it before. Like, they brought in random guys and, um, you know, even like a guy like John Nagowski last year, right, where they brought, where they brought him in and he did pretty well, uh, but then... I, I think it was just Colin Moran got healthy or however it worked where he ended up getting DFA'd anyways. And so like it happens and like, that's okay, but you have to have like a sure thing, right. To, to say confidently like, okay, this guy is going to be better than, you know, Greg Allen or Kevin Newman or whatever. And with the guys that are currently on the 40 man, there's only like, you know, a handful of guys that you could say that about. So, um, so yeah, it, I mean, you know, like I said earlier, it just makes for such an odd situation and a tough situation where you're making decisions on, you know, not so sure things um, to try to build a roster that's at least semi-competitive and, and set you up for the future. And, and you know, it's all also like 
a little fraught, right? Because, like I said, you know, all these guys can battle it out for shortstop, but when O'Neill Cruz is ready, he's the shortstop, right? Like, no doubt about it. And same with, like, Nick Gonzalez, and I don't expect that to be this year, but, you know, whenever Nick Gonzalez proves that he's ready for the major leagues, uh, I don't care what Hoy Park is hitting. Like, I'm sorry, <laughs> you're taking a back seat, man. Like, we, like we put a lot into this guy. Um, and so, you know, it's all, it's all kind of, like all these uh, position battles or whatever are interesting for now, but if the Pirates are, are going to be actually good, like they won't really matter because someone else will come up and be, you know, set themselves up for actually taking that job, you know? So, so it's, I don't know. It just kind of makes for a weird situation where you have a bunch of stop gaps. Ideally you have a bunch of stop gaps waiting around for the actual prospects to get ready. I've gotten myself in trouble. Like just thinking about stuff of like, like last week, Chris and I were talking about like the DH. Like, what do you do with the DH? And I was like trying to figure out who could DH. And Chris just goes, "Well, you got a bunch of bats, and guys need. You know what I mean? You guys yeah. need to get at bats. So you might just have a rotating DH of like a Rodolfo Castro and a Hoy Park, who is wouldn't necessarily be a DH. But you got to get these guys at bats. You can't just have you know guys on the roster and you know Kevin Newman and say Cole Tucker starting every day." Yeah, no, 100%. And, and and we've seen this before, too, right? Like, with that would make things easier, right? Where, where you know, even last year at the beginning of the year, uh, when they had Dustin Fowler and Anthony Alford for that fourth uh, outfield spot, well, one of the things that both those guys, you know, equally, I wouldn't say complained about, but, but you know, said to media was like, yeah, I mean, it's really hard when I don't get consistent at-bats. It's hard to, like, get in a rhythm at the plate when you don't know if you're going to start the next day because there's another guy that's sort of on equal footing. So the DH would help with that at least where, like, it takes that extra factor that could be, you know, hurting guys' numbers out of the game where you can get it, you know, like you said, Hoy Park or Cole Tucker, um, you know, Rodolfo Castro or Greg Allen or whatever. You can get guys more at-bats. Um, and you know, I can't promise that it's going to make your team any better in the short term, that you're going to like the results when you're DHing Hoy Park, but, uh, <laughs> it, at, it at least, it at least gives you the chance to just get more looks for more, you know, uh, on average four more at bats, a, a, a game at that guy. Um, so maybe they can cycle through a couple of those decisions more frequently if, um, if the DH does come to the NL. For anybody that's a Pirates fan, you got to go to the Post-Gazette, you got to read, Mike's articles, you got to read Jason's articles, follow uh, follow Mike on Twitter uh, at Mike D. Piersack, the man who single-handedly got Billy Joel to come and play at PNC Park uh, <laughs> this summer with his crusade uh, of Uptown Girl. Mike, thanks for jumping back on, brother. Really appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate you, Craig. Thanks. So uh, it seems like Kevin Newman is—he's just a measuring stick. Is that—is that what I got out of that? I mean, there was a lot in that interview, but he's a measuring stick, and I'm—I'm I'm fine with that. And so that means it's a success when Kevin Newman is DFA'd, right? Yeah, yeah, and that's what—that's what Mike was kind of like, just basically alluding to, with like when you know you sign Eric Gonzalez as like that measuring stick, and then he's—he's he's DFA'd later. Um. Kevin Newman, his he's safe for right now, just because, you know, nobody else has proven to be any better. You have so many middle infielders. You have, 
I mean, I, I even forgot, guys, when me and Mike were talking. So I was like, oh, you got Rodolfo Castro. You got Diego Castillo. You got Hoy Park. You've got Cole Tucker. You've got, you know, O'Neill Cruz knocking on the door and, and probably sticking at shortstop for right now. So there's really not any answers in the middle infield right now. And it's like, Kevin, you know what? You play pretty good defense. You hit pretty well your rookie year. If you can get some of that back, I know that he was a a trade chip uh, coming into this lockout. Like his name was mentioned uh, to several teams. And we've talked about that before, Chris, that it's, it seems like people are more enamored with Kevin Newman than Pirates fans are to a degree. And I think it's because they see, you know, he plays good defense. He doesn't strike out a lot. He doesn't get on base a lot either because he doesn't take a whole lot of walks. He makes contact and makes a lot of soft contact. But we're going back to the whole discussion we had at the beginning of the show about pitching coaches. I think that, I mean, about pitching and hitting coaches, I think that people are probably thinking that, you know what? I think we could probably fix him enough to to get him to hit like 250, 260. And if he plays that good at defense, oh, he, he definitely could fit like at, you know, shortstop second base or a you know, a defensive first uh, substitution at the end of a game. So uh, right now you have Kevin Newman, and but it's it's not real exciting to have Kevin Newman. You're just waiting around for O'Neill Cruz. You're waiting around for Marcano. You're you're waiting around for Baguero. You're waiting around to see if Michael Chavis uh, just grabs something and 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 takes control of a spot in the infield. And that's where that's where Kevin Newman is. And, and that's fine. I'm okay with it. That's great. I'm just waiting now to see if there's any going to be any minor league moves. You can still make minor league moves during a lockout. So, you know, I mean, this is the time where you're trying to scoop guys up that you can throw into a bullpen, but you don't have to give them uh, an invite with the 40-man roster. All those guys can still be grabbed. They can still be signed. Other teams are signing them. So uh, keep your eyes open as we wait for, you know, millionaires and billionaires to finish their argument likely sometime after the holidays because nothing ever gets done during the holidays anyway. So I'm just kind of expecting this like first, second week of January. Now we can get back to work around here. But anyway, uh, remember, check out everything that Bucks in the Basement has to offer. Uh, All the shows are on demand. There's plenty of good Pirates content that is there. In case you've missed any of it, it is available anywhere you want it. Any podcast player, say Alexa, play Bucks in the Basement, or just visit us at BucksInTheBasement.com. I see the changes in this town They change, they say One thing but then the next day